Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been scared? And the answer is yes, right? We all have been. In fact, it probably took about two seconds for something to come to your mind. Maybe it was a time you were lost in a grocery store as a kid, or uh, maybe it was a a time where uh, your friends pressured you to ride that ride that you didn't want to ride, but you wanted to fit in, so you rode that ride. Or maybe it was a time the police car hit the lights behind you, right? Whoop, whoop, and all of a sudden that your heart jumped up into your throat. We've all experienced fears in our lives. Sometimes it's in the context of relationships. Maybe it's with regard to our finances or with our jobs or or even at school. But see, here's what I think is true. I think there are different types of fears. Growing up, I played sports. And and I don't say that as, as someone who didn't play sports that just kind of encompasses all sports as sports. I really did. I played everything. In fact, I don't know that I would have made it through high school if it wasn't for sports. It was the reason that I went, and, and it was my coaches that actually helped me graduate. Uh, growing up, I played baseball. It was one of my big passions, and uh, uh, I often played up. I played with the uh, guys that were a year to sometimes even two years older uh, than I was. And I remember in Little League, we were trying to qualify for the Little League World Series, and we played against this team, and it had a guy on it, and his name was Tron Trin. Uh, Tron was supposed to be 12 years old. The problem is, is that he was six foot three. He had muscles and a mustache, and we're pretty sure he wasn't 12. And he had come to Canada from Vietnam. And in fact, we asked to see his birth certificate, and he showed us a piece of paper that just had handwriting on it that said, I am 12. And so we had to play this game. He threw in the low 90s. He hit a home run every single time he was at bat. It's because he was a grown man. And so uh, we had to deal with that fear. I remember playing shortstop, and every time he came up, we would all move into the outfield because we were a little nervous. And, and my first at bat, I remember I was the first one to make contact off of him. I simply fouled the ball off, and our entire team cheered for that. We faced a, a big giant, and, and it was kind of scary. I remember in, in high school, I went to a small high school. It had about 500 students in it. And, uh, and so we only had one hockey team and one football team. There was no JV. If you were a freshman, you played uh, against seniors. And I remember playing that, right? I remember watching these seniors drive themselves to the games and then kiss their wives and kids and then step out onto the field. And, and it was terrifying. Now, I don't know if it's the concussions speaking or not, but... I think there's a difference between facing a physical fear, right, being scared of something physical and being scared of something that's unknown. Well, we're starting a new series, and we're calling it Ghost Stories. And I think the reality is this, there is a fear that's associated with ghosts, right? And in fact, some of you right now are kind of like, check, please. I don't know if I want to stick around for this series. You do. You want to be a part of this for the next few weeks. Let me ask you this question. 
how do you feel about ghosts? How, how do you feel about ghost stories? Now, some of you, I know you're, you're all in, right? Like you love all things paranormal. And, and, and I remember watching one of those shows and, uh, and, and I don't know, they, they started whispering, right? Like, did you see that chair move right there? And I didn't see it. Now, I don't know if it was because of the night vision lens that they were using, or it was probably more so because I had my eyes closed, right? Like, I just don't do stuff like that. I don't watch movies that are entitled Poltergeist or The Conjuring or The Shining, anything where people's heads are spinning, people are floating, or someone's coming through a wall to scare me, right? Like, I don't mess around with any of that stuff. In fact, my level of ghost scariness, right, is probably right here, Scooby-Doo, right? And I know it was Mr. Williams, and he would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Or maybe if I'm really feeling like I want to push the boundaries, it would be with this, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, right? But that's, that's where I draw the line. And I think many of us, we have this same perspective when it comes to our understanding of the Spirit of God. And depending on your church background or maybe even the Bible you have right now, uh, maybe you would refer to it as the, the Holy Ghost. The Bible mentions the Spirit of God over eight hundred times, which means this is something important that we have to have an understanding of. In fact, just the second verse into the Bible, Genesis 1 verse 2, it says this, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up in church and, and the topic of the Holy Ghost came up, right, it always just felt like it got a little weird. And depending on your background or maybe your experiences, Right? There's a lot of di uh, denominations and, and churches that are formed around this concept and teachings even of, of beliefs of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us came from churches kind of like the one that I was at, really like hope. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We just don't talk about it very much. And so some of you are kind of even getting a little nervous right now that we're going to spend a few weeks talking about this. Some of you came from the other extreme, right? You came from church backgrounds where the Holy Spirit was a big part of everything that you experienced. In fact, you're super excited to go home and get your tambourine out, and you're ready to go for these next few weeks. Don't, don't do that. Now, there's a bunch of people that are probably somewhere in the middle, and, and it's either because you didn't have a lot of church background, and, and this whole thing maybe just sounds even kind of weird to you. You know what? You're probably actually the most normal out of all of us. And at bare minimum, you're going to need the least amount of deprogramming as we head into this series. Look at what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. Job 33 verse 4 says this, For the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. See, if the Spirit made me, and the Spirit gives me life, then this is something that we need to have an understanding of in our lives. See, the words for spirit in the Old Testament in Hebrew and in the New Testament in Greek, the words that we've translated into our English Bible as Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, it literally means this. It's a, a wind. It, it's a current of, of air. It's a, a blast of breath or a strong breeze. Growing up, uh, watching Ty grow up and play baseball, we would sit in the, in the summer sun here in North Carolina, right, like all weekend, and, and you're just baking in the sun, just sweating to death, and, and all these parents are sitting there, and, and we would every once in a while catch, off in the distance, you would see trees start to move a little bit, right? And you didn't know which direction it was going, and you didn't know when it was get there, but we all would kind of hold our breath just hoping, and then all of a sudden, at, at the same time, right, this breeze would hit us, and, and like a choir, all the parents would be like, Ah, right? This Holy Spirit, this concept, it's a, it's a life-giving, refreshing breath for us. This isn't something that we need to be scared of. Now, let me show you one more reason why this is very important that we talk about this, and it's this. 
It's because Jesus said it was important. In fact, Jesus is celebrating his last supper. It's Thursday night. He's going to go be accused, accused of crimes that he didn't do. And then, and then he's going to go to the cross the very next day. And in his last conversation that he's having with his disciples, the majority of the topic is actually about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus kind of says something along the lines of this, hey guys, I'm going to go and I'm going to not be here anymore, right? I'm going to die and, and you won't see me. And then I'm going to be resurrected again, but then I'm going to go up and I'm going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father and I'm going to be interceding on your behalf. But I don't want you to be alone. And look at what Jesus said in John 16, verse 5. He said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, as I read this, right, it's not hard for me to understand how the disciples probably felt in, in this moment. In fact, I would say that if we were there, we would probably feel the same way. Imagine you've been hanging out with Jesus, right? You've been listening to his teachings. You've been watching the healings and the different miracles. There was that time you had one Chick-fil-A nugget left, and he turned it into a party tray with an extra large sweet tea, right? Like, it was good to have Jesus there beside you. It would be hard to understand how Jesus is now saying, it's, it's better for you if I leave you. But look at what Jesus promises. He promises that there will be an advocate. Now, the word that's used here, it's, it's used in many different ways. The word advocate, it, it really kind of had like a, a legal kind of concept to it, that it was like a, a lawyer or a paralegal that was there to represent you and to translate, help you understand, and, and really there to kind of fight for you. That word is also translated in the Bible as helper or counselor, uh, sometimes comforter or even encourager. So let me ask you this question. Who wouldn't want God in their lives doing that, right? Who, who wouldn't want a helper at times when we need it? Who wouldn't want a counselor when we have difficult decisions that we have to make in our lives? Who doesn't want a comforter when we're going through difficult uh, testing times or, or trying times in our lives? Who doesn't want someone to encourage you to know that there's someone in your corner when you're facing difficult things? Laura, a couple weeks ago, my wife, she works for a, a, a custom home builder. It's just a great company here in the Triangle. And, um, and part of her job is that right before uh, they let the family move into their house, she goes and does one of the final walkthroughs. And so she kind of blue tapes all of the imperfections and the things that need to be fixed before that family can walk in. And so a couple weeks ago, she went to one of those houses and um, they were working on the driveway. And so she had to drive on the, on the side and it was really muddy. And so she drove and, and she ended up actually getting stuck. Now, the funny part is that she drives a, a Jeep Wrangler. And now she made sure that I had to tell you this, it, it's new for her. And so she's seen me put mine in four-wheel drive, but she had never actually put hers in four-wheel drive herself. And so she was sitting there stuck with everything that she needed to get out, but she needed help. So I think there's a lot of times in our lives, right, where if I could fix all of the broken things, if I could make the best decision every single time, if all of my relationships were healthy and perfect, then, then I probably wouldn't need help. But I have never, I've never met that person. We all need help. Right deep down, every single one of us knows that. In fact, it's probably why you're watching today. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, verse 16. He said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. And to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. You see, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And when we say yes to Jesus, right, that through his death and resurrection, we are forgiven of our sins. But not just that, he takes that power of sin and control of sin in our lives and, and he breaks it. He puts that to death and then he secures our eternity. 
I mean, it's the greatest gift that we could ever receive, that we could ever imagine. And you could spend the rest of your life trying to earn that from God and you never would be able to. The great part is that God doesn't ask you to. It's a free gift that he offers. That should be enough. And yet God, he wasn't done. He said, you know what? I'm going to go way beyond that. It's not just enough to do that. I want to give you my spirit to live inside of you, right? To come alongside and to help you live this life. See, the, the point of this series is that we don't have to be scared of the Holy Spirit or the, the Holy Ghost. What we have to do is understand that he is in our lives to help us and to, to guide us and to make our lives better. The Spirit is willing there. He's there to, to be with us, to fight for us. Chase is going to talk about that next week. He's there to guide us. We're going to talk about that in week three uh, because, you know, still the question that I receive most is how do I know God's will for my life? We'll talk about that. But today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit teaches us. And he's, we have to start by having a, this understanding, right? A biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And then we can talk about what he wants to do. Let me give you a few things. Here's the first. The Holy Spirit is a person. See, I think people often refer to the Spirit as an it. And it's mostly because we just don't understand, right? And when we don't understand something, it's easy to get scared of something. When we don't understand something, it's easy to kind of ignore it, to maybe objectify it, put a label on it, to try and keep it at a distance from us. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, verse 16. He said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Well, there's a couple things that Jesus brings out here, right? Look at how many times he calls the Spirit a him. In verse 17, he said, you, the world cannot accept him because it, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. If he called him a him, then He's a him, right? Now, I know that's not good grammar, but it's great teaching. The Holy Spirit isn't an it. It's not about us having it. It's about him having us. See, the whole concept is that the Spirit of God wants to be in relationship with us. In fact, that's how Jesus concluded those verses. He said, he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is calling us to a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is a person. And he has personal relationships, not just with us as believers, those who have said yes to Jesus, but also with the Father and with the Son, which leads to the second truth that we need to try and understand, and it's this, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a lesser God. He's not a different kind of God. The Holy Spirit is God, period. And this is often referred to as the Trinity. Now, I have written in my notes, briefly explain the Trinity. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. It's kind of like having the talk with your kid, right? Like it's like, this is super important that you understand. And then three and a half minutes later, everybody's more confused than they were to begin with. But let me try to sum this up. Our God is one God who exists in three distinct divine persons. Does that clarify everything for you? Maybe not, right? It's, it's God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Spirit. Maybe you've heard it as the, the mean one, the nice one, and the weird one, right? But it's, it's three persons that together make one God. Now, I don't know if I'm really the best to try and explain this to you, and it's for this reason. I'm not very smart. And so I know that I can't figure it out. So I just trusted that this was true a long time ago. See, I think the problem for a lot of people is that, is that we, we just try to, we try to put limits on God. 
And it's based on our personal limitations, right? It's in our limitations in our understanding. Maybe it's limitations in, in what we're able to do. Maybe it's limitations in our relationship with our father or with our kids. And so understanding some of these contexts and, and concepts, we, we put limitations on God. The fact is, is that God can be one God, yet exist in three different persons. See, it's not hard for me to understand, and it's simply for this reason. It's because He is God. If He's not that big, then we're wasting our time. Go to brunch, go play golf. But my understanding is that God is that big. And because he's that big, it's okay that I can't fully understand that. Now there are metaphors and there's analogies that we could use to to help us get some insight on what one God in three persons looks like. Here's the problem with all of those is that they're they're finite illustrations trying trying to capture an infinite God. There's a few that I've heard, maybe you've heard some of these before, to describe the relationship between the Father and the Son and and the Spirit. Maybe you've heard in the context of an egg, right? It's one egg, but there's a a shell, and there's the white stuff, and and there's the yolk, right? Three different parts that make up one egg. Or maybe you've heard it as a three-leaf clover, right? It's one clover, but there's three different arms to it. Or maybe the three states of water. There's liquid, and then there's solid as ice, right? And there's gas when there's steam. All H2O, but it can exist in, in these three different forms. I love what Francis Chan said. He said this, while these serve as cute metaphors for an unexplainable mystery, the fact is that God is not like an egg, a three-leaf clover, or the three forms of water. God is not like anything. He is incomprehensible, incomparable, and unlike any other being. He is outside the realm of our existence and thus outside our ability to categorize him. While analogies may be helpful in understanding certain aspects of him, let's be careful not to think that our analogies in any way encapsulate his nature. So I think the best way to understand this is, is maybe to look at what God said about himself. Genesis 1.26, God said this, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. That language is, is very specific. Let us, right, three persons of one God, make humans in our image to be like us. See, the Father was the primary driver of creation. And we looked at it in verse 2, it said that the Spirit was there kind of hovering over the waters. And if you fast forward to John chapter 1, it talks about Jesus and it says that Jesus existed in the beginning, that, that everything that was created was created through him. One God, three distinct individual persons. I hope that helps clarify it a little bit. Right? There's other passages in the Bible that have all three mentioned and how they work together. Ultimately, this comes down to one of those faith issues where we just have to believe and understand that God is bigger than we are and that we can never fully wrap our minds around this. Here's the third thing that's important to know. The Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. There are two other things that Jesus said in John 14, verse 16. He said this, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. See, Jesus promised his disciples that the Spirit would be with him forever. The Holy Spirit is is eternal. But when Jesus made the statement of, I will send you another, he actually had a a choice to make. There are two different words that Jesus could have used. The first is alos, which means something to be identical to, right? It's another that's identical to the first. The other is the word heteros, and that means it's another, but it's, it's completely different. 
Let me give you an example. I go to a restaurant and I order a Coke Zero and the waiter brings it to me and I drink it. Um, and the waiter comes back and says, hey, would you like a refill? And I say, yes, please, I would like another. When I say that, I'm saying the word alos, right? I want an identical one to the one that you, that you brought me before. And so he brings me another Coke Zero. Now, after two or three Coke Zeros, don't judge me, I, I like Coke Zeros, right? But I, maybe I come to the point where I think, and I probably need to sleep tonight, so maybe I, I should switch to water. And so when that waiter comes back, I would say, yeah, I would like another drink, but I don't want a Coke Zero. Can I have a water instead? See, that's the word heteros. It's, it's another, but it's different. Jesus, when saying, I'm going to send you another advocate, he chooses the word alos. And he's literally saying, the Holy Spirit and I, we are equal we are the same. And so if Jesus is holy, and he is, right, we know that Jesus was sinless, then that means that the Spirit of God is holy too. One God, co-equal. No one is greater than, than the other, and they coexist with each other. One wasn't created by the other. They're all holy, they're all eternal, and they're all one God. So the Spirit gives us this understanding of who He is, right? He teaches us that, but He also wants to teach us on a daily basis how we can be more intimate in our relationship with God and how we can grow in that. So let me give you two truths uh, to close this out. Here's the first. The Holy Spirit teaches me God's truth. See, one of the things that I hear most from people is, I know I should read the Bible. I even maybe want to read the Bible more. The problem is, is that I have trouble understanding it. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Now, I, I try to be a teacher. Right? When, when Chase is up here or one of our campus pastors or, or Clay, right? when we're here, we're, we're trying to explain the Bible to you. We're trying to appeal to, to your mind. But guess what? That's not enough. We need the Holy Spirit. Right? If the Holy Spirit isn't present, if it's just me talking, right? the, the Bible says very clearly that apart from God, I can do nothing. I'm just some guy talking to you. And so we need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me before I could ever stand up in front of you. But you also need the Holy Spirit revealing that same truth to you as well. See, the best way that we are taught by the Holy Spirit is to look at the book that the Holy Spirit wrote, the Bible. Now, I know some of you are thinking, hold on, Donnie, right? The Bible was written by man. Well, man held the pen, but it was the Holy Spirit that inspired every single word in Scripture. See, one of the roles of the Spirit is to teach us. And, and this verse that we just looked at, Jesus said, is that he teaches us everything. And so through God's word, the Spirit teaches us how to have a great marriage. Through the Bible, the Holy Spirit teaches us how to lead our kids, how to uh, grow in our patience, right? How to, to experience peace even in difficult circumstances, how to handle our finances in a wise way, how to forgive the people that hurt us. Everything that we need to know and have understanding in, the Holy Spirit can teach us through his word. Look at 1 John 2.27, it says this, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true, it is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. See, when Jesus walked the earth, he, he taught everywhere that he went. But when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit took on that role and the way that the Spirit teaches us is through the truths of God's word. The Bible itself is complete and it's trustworthy, but it's impossible for us to understand apart from the Holy Spirit. 
You ever read the Bible, and maybe it's like the fifth time you've read a story, or maybe for some of you have been around a little bit longer, maybe the 25th time, maybe some of you, like, you've been around for a long, 50th time, right? I've read this story before. Or maybe you come to church and you hear us and, and we teach something, and it, Jesus walking on water, or the feeding of the 5,000, or Easter, always about the resurrection, right? And you're like, I've read that before, or I've heard that before. But you, you read it, or you listen to it, and you're like, I just learned something new. There was a new insight that, that just came out of that. See, almost every time that I speak, someone will come up to me afterwards and say, it, it was like God was speaking directly to me. And my answer to them every time is, well, it's because he was, right? He was speaking to you. In fact, he speaks to me too. And sometimes what he's telling you might be different than the things he's telling me. It's not that God's contradicting himself. He's just speaking into the circumstances and situations that we're all dealing with. Guess who does that? That's the Holy Spirit. When you listen on the weekend, I want to challenge you with this. Don't just take us at our word, right? I promise you, I will never stand up here and do this unless I have asked the, the Holy Spirit to speak to me and then speak through me. I promise you that much. But you have the Holy Spirit in your life that wants to teach you and wants to guide you through this. When you're sitting in a small group, and uh, it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit is there in your small group too. Now, if there's ever a time where you have a view of a passage of Scripture and the rest of the small group has a, has a different view of that passage of Scripture, you're probably wrong, right? But it, it's because the Holy Spirit is there and He wants to teach you and He wants to work together for you to have that understanding. Let me just show you. Here's how I read and study the Bible. And, and if you have your own reading plan and it's working for you, that's great. You can just take a break for 30 seconds. But if you don't know how to read the Bible, let me just show you. There's five simple things that, that I do that work for me. Maybe it'll work for you too. The first is this, is that I ask God to teach me. And I just spend a few minutes and just say, God, would you just teach me? Would you show me what you want me to, to learn, what you want, how you want me to grow in my relationship with you? And then I read the passage, sometimes just once, sometimes three times, five times, really just until I have an understanding of what it is. Then I ask these three questions. The first is this, what does it say? And oftentimes what I'll do is I'll kind of rewrite it in my own words just to make sure that I have understanding of, of what I just read. And, and oftentimes it brings up questions of things that maybe I don't understand or I don't know that I have to maybe get some answers to. The second question I ask is this, why is this important? You see, everything that's in the Bible is there for a reason. There's no filler in the Bible. It's all important. And so it's important for us to understand it. And when you run into something that you're maybe not sure of or, or you want to verify, the best way to understand the Bible is to compare the Bible to the Bible, right? Look up the other verses that talk about that topic or, or deal with that situation and see what the Bible has to say because it will never contradict itself. And the last thing that I do is this, is that the last question I ask is, what do I need to do? See, the goal of reading the Bible is never to get smarter. It's, it's so that we can put it into practice in our lives so the Spirit can, can make us more like Jesus. The Spirit teaches us God's truth. The second thing he does is he makes us like Jesus. That's the goal of, of his work, and that's the goal of our lives is to, be like, is to be like Jesus. The process that that happens in is called sanctification, and it's really not as scary as it sounds. It's as simple as this. It's the process of the, the Holy Spirit stripping off our old sinful habits and our old nature, and instead he begins to bring inside of us and, and replace it with God's holiness to make us to make us like Jesus. Look what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. 
You notice the Trinity in those few verses, right? All three mentioned working together. The Holy Spirit, guys, does all of the work in our lives. The, the, your job is simply this. It's just to let him, to ask God to begin to make you more like Jesus and then get out of the way and partner with him and do the things that he asks you to do. I, I can't tell you, I, I'm so excited for this series. I really think that if we lean in, if we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God helping us over these next few weeks, I think there's two big things that are going to happen uh, for us. I think one is that God is going to be glorified. And that's really the, the goal of every single follower of Jesus, right, is that our life glorifies God. And when that happens, watch out, because God begins to show up and he begins to show off through his church. And I really believe that if we lean into this, that over these next few weeks, this could be something new that happens here at Hope. That it could be something new that happens in our, in our communities, in the triangle, and literally around the world. But the second thing is this, is that I believe that life change will happen. And that doesn't mean that life is going to become perfect. It doesn't mean that everything gets easy in your life. But when we face difficult circumstances or situations, what it means is that we're going to be more aware of God's presence there with us, that his spirit lives in us when we say yes to Jesus. I love this verse in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says this, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Uh, a few churches ago, I, uh, our, our facility director, he was an old guy, very eccentric, and he would walk by my office every single day, and he would ask me one question. And sometimes he would just walk by, and he would start asking the question and trail off as he went down the hall. Sometimes he would just stop and stare at me until I stopped everything and made eye contact with him. Sometimes he would ask part of the question and then stop so that I could finish it. But here was what he would say to me every single day. He would say, Peters, how much of God do you have today? And it was such a powerful question. See, if you only have a little of God today, it's not because God didn't show up. It's because you're just not allowing the Spirit of God to help you in your area of life. See, you have access to all of God. And it's through His Spirit living in us and teaching us and fighting for us and guiding us. And I really believe that if we search for God, we look for Him wholeheartedly. Not only is He going to find us, He is going to teach us, He is going to make us like Jesus, and we are going to be different as a result, as individuals, as families, as a church. And I'm so excited to see what it is that God is going to do through us through this series. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? God, we just want to say thank you. Father, we thank you first for your son, Jesus, and that through his death and through his resurrection, that you brought us into relationship with you, that you forgive us of our sins, you break the power of sin and death, that you secure our eternity with you when we, when we put our trust in you and we accept that free gift. And we are so grateful for that. God, we are so grateful that, that as a loving father, that, that you would sacrifice everything for us, that you created us, and God, we are so thankful for your spirit that breathes life into us and is present in us to guide us and to lead us and to make us more like Jesus. And so Father, I pray over this series that God, your spirit would have the freedom to move in our lives as individuals, in our families, in our church, that God, you would show us more of you and that we would begin to lean on and depend and, and lean into more of you in our lives. And that God, if we walk around with just a little bit of God, that's because we chose to only have a little bit of you. But God, I pray that we would start to move into a place where we have a whole lot of you in our lives, that we're depending on you and trusting in you and resting on you. And that God, as a result, you will do unbelievable things far more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And so God, we thank you in advance. I thank you in advance, believing that this series is literally going to change lives. And so God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. 
And we pray all of this in your perfect name. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.